0: what's going on everybody i'm mara and i'm tez and welcome back to sisters who kill is love enough to keep us together Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today.
1: I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next, next week. week. Got you a coffee, oatmeal cappuccino, right? right, right. Your bookshelf. Wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments now on Bumble.
2: Our players this week are Winston George, our victim, and Darlene's husband, Jeffrey Williams, our accomplice, and Darlene's brother, Renny Casamy, our accomplice, and Darlene's lover,
0: and Darlene George,
2: our murderess.
0: Darlene Denise George was born June 27th, 1965, in Brooklyn, New York. Now, we don't have many details about her childhood, unfortunately, but we do know that she has her big brother, Jeffrey Lee Williams, which researching Jeffrey Williams for this case is very funny because that's Young Thug's real name. So it was very hard to sift through all the Young Thug stuff to find him. But again, we don't know much about their upbringing, as children in Brooklyn but Jeffrey Lee was born on July 13th 1963 he is her big brother and we do know that they grew up on the rough streets of Brooklyn now Jeffrey grew up to be kind of a career criminal he had been arrested for robbery attempted robbery his first time getting arrested was back in 1985 when he was like 22 And at that time, he was convicted of two counts of robbery, and then he was released on parole in 1989, went back to jail in 1990 for criminal possession of a weapon, and then released again in 92 now as far as Darlene she decided that she was going to go to college she graduated from college and she married her first husband named Franklin Whiteman they did have a son together Giovanni and Giovanni was born in 1994 shout out to the 94 babies like me and her and her husband got divorced pretty quickly after Giovanni was born Darlene decided that she was going to take her baby she was going to still work and she was going to make a life for herself and her son and she was working at a data company now in 2007 Jeffrey had just gotten out of jail, out of prison, excuse me, because remember we told you he got out in 92. He went right back in 94 for another attempted robbery, possession of a weapon. He got 20 to 22 years. So he was in there for that time. He got out in 2007. I mean, at this point, he went in in 94. He ain't never met his nephew. And Darlene was out there. She was being a single lady while raising her kid. She was living her life, right? And So one day she's on a party boat. And I don't know what they do on party boats other than, I guess, drink and have a good time. And then that was the time that she met Winston. Now, this was 1995. She had just gotten a divorce from her husband. She was freshly with a probably not even a full one-year-old at the time. But she was 29. She was young. She was hip. And she met herself that man. Winston George was born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago.
2: There are little details also on his life. They did not care about these people's background. They wanted to get to the story. But what I can tell you is he did have a brother named Whitfield George. Winston and Whitfield. Those are such prestigious, like, names, I feel. They are. They are. So Winston and some of his siblings moved to the United States when he was in his 20s. And he ended up working at Whatman, Inc. in Sanford, which is a division of GE Healthcare, the company that makes medicine filtration devices. And he worked as a maintenance tech and he worked a second shift. Now, his HR manager said that he was just a very, very nice man. He was responsible for the production operations and was a great employee, all that jazz, right? Winston was previously married and even his ex-wife described him as a hardworking, dedicated family man who sent money home to his mother every month and to his native country in Trinidad. So, you know, he was a provider. He here to take care of his people, you know what I mean? Winston and Darlene, they met on a party boat. At the time, she was a 29-year-old single mom to a one-year-old, and she had just divorced her first husband. Winston was excited about her, though. Like, he had this new, refreshed energy about love. He was introducing her to his family members, and they were happy to see him like that. And it's like, oh, he done brought a girl home. Check him out. And in 2002, they ended up getting married. Now, at first, they were living in New York, but that same year, Darlene gets a promotion, and with this promotion, they transferred her to an office in South Portland, so not Portland, Oregon, but Portland, Maine, and the family ends up moving up to Old Orchard Beach in Maine, which is this really nice, homely area,
0: right? Like, it's I just the- want to go to Maine because I want to C- see. from there that's the only thing I know about Maine they got some good seafood but I'm also worried I'd be worried about people who had the fresh fresh seafood
2: because please don't bring me no seafood out here tasting like the ocean I hate that
0: I don't think I have a comment do you know what I'm talking about though (laughs) I mean I know how people cook things and it still tastes fishy I don't know about tasting like the ocean like it just it tastes very much of the sea (laughs) and it well, that, throws me. i think that has to do with people's cleaning ability Maybe. not the food but it be at so. restaurants that i feel like this so
2: i really be hoping that's not the case
0: um, i worked in the food service industry long enough to know that niggas do not be cleaning stuff i'd rather eat at home Ugh.
2: Anywho, they do what you're supposed to do to lock in that generational wealth they start buying up properties so overall they had five properties four investment properties, and one to live in. So they had an apartment in Brooklyn that they lived in for a while, ended up keeping it, renting it out. They had two properties in Old Orchard Beach, one that they lived in, another one that they rented out. And Winston came into this with two properties that he owned in Trinidad. Now, we could only find statements from the tenant who lived in Maine, and she says she didn't necessarily know much about their personal life. You know, this was very much a landlord, tenant, type of relationship, but what she did know was that Darlene was very outgoing and described Winston as a quiet but pleasant person. And the neighbors kind of described them as the same, you know? They were nothing to make us think about, no gossipy story to tell. They were just a regular happy family.
0: Yeah, and it was seeming that way. Even Giovanni was started calling Winston Pop after a while. And from what I can understand is That was pretty much the only father that Giovanni knew. I mean, they met when he was at least one, if not just a few months old. They were very close, and they hit it off very quickly. It only made sense that Giovanni was very close to his stepfather. Now, Winston, he was working, working, and he was working all the time to the point where he was working, but he— wasn't working, if you know what I'm saying. Actually, he was working. He was working with a coworker named Amy Casey, and Amy Casey was married, and they was working together. Working real hard, mm, you
2: gotta putting watch in real work-wise.
0: work. Listen, you got to work, watch these work wives, because they gonna turn into your real wife real quick, or they'll just have you cheat on your wife, which is what he did. It was known that he was out spending time with Amy, no one knows if they actually had and did the do, but it's pretty safe to say that they did. They started going on dates together. They were going to the beach. They would go out to restaurants. They would go for long walks in the park and talk on weekends. They would go to the club together. They would drink and listen to music. And see, this is the problem. Both of them were freshly divorced and got together. Really, probably they both should have just started dating instead of jumping into another marriage, but... Mm. I can save that for later. So in 2008, the couple is starting to really have problems. And it makes sense, right? Like, he's out. She's got a thing on the side. Oh, yeah, she sure does. Let me tell you. So she's going on. We both know that it's wrong. But what? But it's much too strong, so strong. Darlene has been having an affair with this man. His name is Rennie. She has been having an affair with this man named Rennie Casamy for 10 years. That's right. Before she was even married to this man. When she was married to her ex-husband, she was having a thing going on with this man named Rennie. Now, Rennie was also married at the time that they started their affair. I mean, this is just a whole bunch of married folks. There's a whole bunch of married folks getting together and being nasty mm-hmm. and doing it with all each other. And it really seemed like nothing stopped them from being together. So not her first husband, not his first wife, not her second husband. And when the family moved to Maine, Randy's wife was still in Trinidad and Tobago. So he didn't care at all anyways. Now, Randy was born on November 9th, 1960, in Trinidad and Tobago. And we don't know much about his childhood, but we do know that him and his siblings did move to New York with his parents in the 90s because, of course, they wanted a better life. And that is where a lot of people from the islands came. They came to New York. When Darlene moved up to Maine with her second husband that she's supposed to be so in love with she was still making plans and finding ways to still hang out with rennie rennie would stay at some motels darlene would come over darlene would go down to new york and say that she was checking on the apartments and of course she would see him i heard that he was a tenant at one point and sometimes if he was late on his rent it really didn't matter all he had to do was make up for it in other ways Mm. if you know what i'm saying their affair had been going on for a while, but around 2004, 2005, Rennie found out, found out that he got diagnosed with HIV, and it really didn't slow them down. She was still pressed to go see him. I just really hoped it, she was being safe. Well, I don't see anything that says that she Ever is contracted. HIV positive. Yeah. Right. So, and there's a whole bunch of questioning, of what. It'll, we'll get to it later, but still she loved talking to Rennie she would talk to Rennie about anything and everything that was going on and one of the main things she that she always brought up is about how Winston is getting on her nerves and Winston can't do nothing right and she just wants to get rid of him and you know if they get a divorce though what's gonna happen with all the properties because it's a lot they got a lot of things to split now you know Darlene is complaining to Rennie all about everything. And, you know, at first, Rennie is like, well, you know, maybe you can set him up so that he can go to prison. And maybe you can, like, plant some weed, plant some cocaine in the car. Remember, this is the early 2000s. So, you know, that would have got you locked up for damn near life. And so he was like, maybe if you plant some drugs in his car tip off the police, if something like that happens, you know, He's an immigrant, just like, I'm an immigrant. They're going to send you back to the islands. And Darlene was like, no, like, if something like that happens, he's going to know it was me. I need him to, like, make sure that he really doesn't know that it's me. And she's like, but I feel like if I get rid of him for good, that might be the thing we need to do. And he's like, what you mean get rid of him for good? She's like, well, we could set it up. Like, maybe it like the house got robbed, and because of that robbery, he was murdered, and Rennie is like, um, well, how do you plan on doing that? She's like, I mean, you can help, obviously, but you know what? My brother just got out of prison, just got out of prison doing a 20-year bid. I'm sure that he'll help me out. And this is the summer, like, perfect time. And Giovanni is here. He just graduated from middle school. Like, he's about to go hang out with his cousins. But we can really plan something out. We can really make it look like something happened. And Rennie is like, ah. Uh, how you plan on making it happen again she's like well listen it's okay because I got my brother Jeffrey so she gets them all together and tries to figure out what's going to happen she says we can stage it like a robbery right like I'll buy the mask I'll buy y'all some gloves whatever y'all need to get up to Maine I'll make sure that I get y'all some some bus tickets some motels anything y'all need I'll set it up I'll set it up actually I know exactly where to go I'm gonna put y'all at this motel because I know it pays cash and the old man up front he can't see so if anything happens you'll be good I'm gonna make sure that y'all have some masks so that nobody can see your face you'll be good and then I'm gonna make sure that I pay for y'all bus fare it's gonna be in cash ain't nobody gonna know anything and we could really make this happen now Renny was like "Uh, I was down for the drugs but I'm not sure if I'm down for murder but she was like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. My brother's going to be there. We're
2: going to be good. So it's June 19, 2008. Early that day, Winston and Giovanni go out. They're spending a little quality father-dad time. They get lunch, and Winston ends up buying a new car because fuck them. We ball. You do what you want when you popping. Winston went to work. And he wasn't expected back home until around 11 p.m. or midnight. Earlier in the day, Darlene's out running her little errands. And she stops by an army surplus store. And she says, oh, just what I need. She goes in there and she's like, yeah, let me get two of these masks. Uh, That book bag looks cool over there. Uh, Hits up some more stores, picks up some gloves, a couple of latex gloves, you know, cleaning and shit. And continues about her day. She goes to the house to drop off the book bag, the mask, the gloves, and she heads back out. But I be goddamn if she forget them damn mask in her car. So when Rennie and Jeffrey get to the house, they can't find them, and they're like, "Listen, we just gonna have to improvise." And they end up going to her drawers and getting them little pantyhose, putting them over their head.
0: They got her hosiery. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. on their face like these little kids playing cops and robbers they did have the gloves to use so they didn't you know there were some precautions taken Darlene and Winston end up swapping and she now has Giovanni they go they run a couple more errands they start picking up some items for his summer trip they go to tgi Fridays they go to the grocery store and they hit the bank now after all of this they don't get home. Till about 11 p.m. And when they first get home, Giovanni's like, "What the light on in the basement? It don't even make no sense. And the two of them go inside. But before anything really happened, Giovanni can see two people peeking out of the room in the hallway. After he went to the bathroom and turned the light on, let me tell you something. If I see two people peeking from the hallway in my house where nobody was supposed to be there, I'm not going deeper in the I'm house. I'm not
0: going any further. I'm turning my ass around.
2: But Giovanni goes towards the bathroom, turns on the light, and this is when the man with a stocking over his face and a knife in his hand tackles him. This man is Jeffrey.
0: And it's okay because you don't even know what your uncle looked like. He's been in prison your whole life. Jeffrey
2: takes Giovanni to Winston and Darlene's bedroom and ties him up with a bed sheet and puts a blindfold over his eyes. Now... When I say ties him up with a bed sheet, I don't mean, like, he rips it and tears the bed sheet into tieable pieces. He takes the entire bedsheet and ties him up with that, which, y'all
0: go try and put a knot
2: in y'all bed sheet, and y'all tell me how far y'all get. It's
0: not gonna be that tight. Mm -hmm.
2: Then, Darlene was brought into the room, and she was tied up as well. The whole time, Jeffrey and Rennie are using fake Jamaican accents, demanding drugs and money. Rennie's was probably... His true Trinidadian accent, but Jeffrey is trying to disguise his voice, and I imagine it was bad. I imagine, oh, I
0: imagine it was like I'm almost sure that it was just as bad as David Diggs, Sebastian and The Little Mermaid, like bad Jamaican accent. Yeah,
2: and so the whole time they're in there, you know, threatening them, yeah, I'm mine. <laughs> Give me all your money. I tell you, I think it's bad. I, f- I feel like it's very bad. <laughs> Give me all your money, man. Don't, I feel like they threw money in there. It's money. on the drugs. we the drugs.
0: <laughs> Just the worst accents you
2: can ever think of. So this goes on for a while because Winston doesn't
0: get home until about 1 a.m. doing God knows what.
2: Working, working,
0: who knows? Working, working out with Amy.
2: But as soon as Winston walked through the door, Jeffrey punches him in the face and drags him down to the basement. This whole time, Giovanni and Darlene can hear everything that's going on. And while Jeffrey and Rennie are in the basement, Giovanni tells his mom that the blindfold is loose and he can see the reflections on the headboard. This nigga's trying to be a hero. And Giovanni says that he can hear Winston asking, you know, how's Giovanni how's darlene are they okay are they safe what have you done with my family you
0: know what i mean and then you hear him praying he started reciting psalms the lord is my shepherd i shall not want listen if i know i'm going down time to pray where's my soul soul real
2: quick i'll be down there please forgive me for i have sinned so he's praying and then you hear nothing At this point, Giovanni is in a room telling Darlene, listen, this bed sheet ain't tied too tight, and I can get loose and I can call 911 and they can go help Winston. We can put the dresser in front of the door to protect us and and lock ourselves inside this room, and Darlene's like, no, Giovanni, just stay still. It's too dangerous. Don't want to lose you two. Now, down in the basement, Jeffrey and Rennie have Winston hog-tied with this synthetic rope, and they have a plastic bag over his head, and they sat there with the bag over his head until he suffocated. Jeffrey also wraps the rope around Winston's neck and to be really sure that he was dead, Rennie cuts a hole in the bag near Winston's mouth and pours rum down his throat. Why? Because if the rum hit his throat, then he gotta react, right? If he's alive, he gonna react. Well, he did not react. He just laid there. And Rennie just left the bottle in his mouth, like just hanging out his mouth. Jeffrey and Rennie leave without doing anything else to Darlene and Giovanni. They left in Winston's car and ended up dumping it in a nearby restaurant parking lot. Now, back at the house, Darlene and Giovanni stay put until about 5.45 a.m. The sun starts coming up, and she ends up calling 911 and reporting a robbery. At this time, Winston is still laying in the basement.
0: The next morning, June 20th, Jeffrey and Rennie, they took a cab to the bus station They went to the bus station in Portland, they loaded up on the bus, and they headed back to New York. What's really interesting is, I guess they were at least near together, they had to at least hang out for a little while. And Jeffrey was like, man, this whole time, I'm doing this for my sister. She asked me to do something, I came. I ain't even hanging out with her. I ain't seen her in like 22 years, I've been locked up. I ain't even get to like, kick it with my sister. She want me to do a job for her, and I ain't even get to hang out with her, and I'm on the first ticket back. Like, ain't that some shit? Ain't that some shit? I'm doing you a favor. So they're back in New York, and Darlene has to tell the police and everybody what happened. Now, once the police gets there, Darlene says that there were three masked men. They ambushed everybody when they got into the home, tied her and Giovanni up in the bedroom, and then told them about how Winston was attacked once he arrived home and drug into the basement. And now the police, they do a quick search of the house, and they're like, okay, we see blood in the hallway that's clearly leading down to the stairs. And downstairs is where they find Winston's body. It's pretty clear that he had been strangled and suffocated from the plastic bag on his head. They also could see the bottle of rum in his mouth and police didn't really know what to make of it, but it's there. Now, after they find his body, the police automatically was like, something about this crime scene's not right. So they question her a little bit more. And she's like, yeah, it was three men. I, th- White men, I believe. I, I really think that there are white men with fake Jamaican accents. They assaulted me. They assaulted my son. They locked us up. They tied us up. I mean— there's not much I can say when I described them. They had on stockings. One was wearing like a brown sports jersey. The other one was wearing like a blue T-shirt. There was another one. The other one was wearing, um, um, let me think about it, a burgundy polo shirt. The police are like, hmm, they're just trying to figure out what was going on. So the first thing they do is hit at Winston's job. They're just trying to see what kind of timeline we can give this man. Turns out he was at work until about 11 p.m. the night of the murder. He didn't come home until 1, so what he was doing for that time, y'all probably already know. And they didn't know where his car was, so they decided to search Darlene's car. And in Darlene's car, they found some papers. And it was weird because these papers had another man's name on it. It was like a passport, some other document with a man named Rennie on it and the police were like hmm who's Rennie let's just hold on to this for a little while and see what else we can find Instacart helps you get beer and wine delivered in as fast as an hour
2: so whether you need to fill the cooler for tailgate season or fill your glass for Pinot by the fire season you can save time by getting fall sips delivered
1: in just a few clicks. Visit Instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Must be 21 or over for alcohol delivery where available. Instacart. Add life to cart. I know you love that DJ, so I bought us tickets for next, next, week. Week. next week. Got you a coffee. oatmeal milk cappuccino, right? Cappuccino, right. Your bookshelf. Wow. You've got a really, really great taste. Really great taste. Let's spend the day together. I've got it all planned out. Planned, all planned out. Kindness. Now that's sexy. Try it for yourself with compliments now on Bumble. Streaming October 6th on Paramount Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land. But we'll come back There's something else something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes, dead is better. Pet Cemetery. Bloodline. Rated R. Streaming only on Paramount+.
2: The police make it to the house. They look at the crime scene, and the house is kind of trashed. Looks like people have ransacked the place. And when you look down the stairs, there is blood going all the way down the stairs to the basement. You look on the landing, there's more blood. It looks pretty bad in here. They, again, find Winston with the bottle of rum right leaning up against his mouth. It's it's looking real crazy. Like I said, the car is not at the house, and so they start canvassing local area, and they find it in the parking lot of a restaurant, Captain Galley's, which is about a mile from the house. Police learned that the two men who got out of the car ended up getting a cab, and they found a cab driver who told them that he took them to a bus stop in Portland. Now, how did the cab driver recognize these people? Because they were black. They stuck out like sore thumbs. is the type of area that they're in. Not only are they black, but they're out here looking very New York. Like, FUBU jerseys, one of them niggas' jerseys, hat with durag underneath. Like, they're looking very streetwear in these nice, nice area of Portland, Maine. Like, they're sticking out. And so the cab driver's like, yeah, these two black guys got in here when I took them to a bus stop in Portland. Using the surveillance videos from the bus station, They got cameras everywhere. They watched the footage, they watched the footage, and finally they see Jeffrey and Rennie getting to Portland by bus around 4 p.m. on the day of the murder. The next morning at 8.30, they were seen getting back on the bus. They've approximated that Winston died around 2.45 in the morning. So then they're like, okay, let's see who all was on this bus. They looked at the manifest and they see two names that link back to Darlene and Winston. Jeffrey Williams and Rennie Casimir. The cops are, of course, looking for them, and the cops end up picking up Rennie, and they're still out searching for Jeffrey. Rennie was found at his apartment that uh, Winston and Darlene owned. He tried to run, but they caught him, and at this time, Darlene is still not yet a suspect. She was there. She was tied up, you know? Of course, we're not looking at her. They question Rennie, and he's a little silent at first. Then they get Jeffrey in there. Jeffrey, like, I'm not telling on my sister. You know, once the cops are like, it was Jeffrey and Rennie who did this, they go to Darlene with that. And Darlene is like, are you kidding me? And they was like, yeah, did you know they were in town? And she was like, I had absolutely no idea they were in town. And he was like, yeah, do you know what I want to set you and your husband up? I have no idea why they would want to hurt me and my family. I've been nothing but good to these people. And she was like, I just, I can't take it. And they're like, it's okay, ma'am. You know, we're going to help you fight this. We just need you to testify as a witness and help us put him up for good.
0: And she's like, of course, whatever you need. And, you know, she got money from his insurance. So he had like seventy three thousand dollars in life insurance. And then he also had a 401k. But it's very much like she wasn't in it for the insurance money. It's giving the properties and the other stuff. It seems like he already had a life insurance policy before. They got together like this was a long-standing policy. Now, Darlene was subpoenaed to come before a grand jury on July seventh, two thousand eight, and on September second, two thousand eight. Both times, you know, she was tes- she was set to testify and be a witness about the home invasion and about her husband being murdered. Now, in her testimony, she said that she had no idea that Jeffrey and Rennie were even in town. She had no idea that they made it up to Maine during the time of the murder. She denied that she ever had any type of romantic relationship with Rennie, not before, not after, not never. She said Rennie was just a friend. And the thing was, Rennie was an immigrant that didn't read very well. He wasn't good at writing. English was not his strong suit. So They were good friends and she would help him with anything he needed like legal documents so of course she found his passport because she's helping him to fill out all those legal documents that he could not understand basically acting as his proxy now at each of those hearings she was not informed of her right to not answer questions she was not informed to plead the fifth because self-incrimination And she also did not know that she was a suspect for this case. And according to court documents, by September, the police were like, do we need to look at you a little bit closer, girl? On September 5th, Rennie and Jeffrey, they were indicted for intentional or knowing murder, depraved indifference murder, and they both pled not guilty. Now, after this happened, the police started looking at phone records and they realized, hold on girl, The phone records don't lie. And the phone records are saying that all three of y'all were in cahoots chit-chatting it up the day before the murder, a week before the murder, the day of the murder. It's given that you knew a little something something. So they were like, hold on. This is enough for an arrest. So on March 4th, 2009, Darlene was charged with conspiracy to commit murder, intentional or knowing murder, depraved indifference, murder of the victim. And Jeffrey and Rennie, they got another charge added to their case, which was conspiracy to commit murder. Because at this point, like we sitting here and we planning it, right? Right. So she was charged on March 4th. They locked her up on March 6th. She pled not guilty, but after she was arrested,
2: the state filed a notice of Joinder because they wanted to try all of them together. On August 3rd of 2009, Jeffrey filed a motion to sever the trials on grounds of Darlene's statements that were made pre-conspiracy. So Darlene's statements to the officer on the morning of the murder, Darlene's grand jury testimony, all of that He was like, I'm not trying to be tried by the same jury or her. So even if you want to do one trial, give me my own jury. And the judge was like, Okay, I'm not going to separate it, but I will give you your own jury. And with that, Darlene's statement to the police were allowed to be introduced in the trial. And so the cops are like, listen, somebody's got to talk. If I had to bet, I'm going to go with Rennie over Jeffrey because that's her brother. He's going to hold it down. Rennie's the loose end. Rennie's the third wheel in this situation. So let's push on him some more. And Rennie took the fucking bait. He told them that he and Darlene had been having an affair for more than 10 years, long before she even married Winston. He said Darlene knew that Winston was cheating on her, too. And even though she was doing it, she didn't like that it was being done to her. Because in her mind, Winston could leave her for her mistress and take all of his property with him. So she had to lock that down. That's what was most important here. Not locking down her man, but locking around her assets. I mean,
0: I hear Someone you. That her head was <laughs> in the right
2: place. I hear you. There are other ways to go about it.
0: I feel like Rennie's original plan was still better. Yeah. At least everybody stayed alive. Right.
2: As they're getting more information out of Rennie, he tells them that the murder was planned a week before when Darlene went to Brooklyn to see him. He said Jeffrey was over there, too, and Rennie said that she paid for everything, the bus rides, the motels, the equipment that they used to get it done. They didn't have to get anything. She bought it all. And she told Rennie and Jeffrey to tie her and Giovanni up. Rennie said he agreed to setting Winston up for drugs or something, but murder was never supposed to be part of the plan. Rennie is facing life in prison and or deportation back to his home country. So after a few months of jail, Rennie decides, I'm going to take the plea. Rennie, he takes a plea deal, and as part of this, he has to testify on his involvement in the crime and on their involvement in the crime during their trial, and he'll get a lighter sentence. On January 26th of 2010, they dropped the murder charge against him. He pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. They recommended that he get a sentence a 8 year sentence and be deported back to Trinidad and Tobago now jeffrey and darlene it was like nah playing no we going to hold this out till trial
1: take that shit to trial bitch take that shit to trial bitch take that shit to trial bitch take that shit to trial
0: So it's June 2010, and trial is underway. Now, Rennie, he has to testify because that's part of his deal. Jeffrey chose to testify and take the stand on his behalf, and Darlene, she did not take that right, which I never would. I feel like I might. i just be wanting to say my
2: piece. But, see, I just know me. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a good idea for you. I see exactly why you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: but see like last week's case it would be very hard for me to hold my tongue and then i would look crazy from behind this uh from behind the defense table cussing out all the damn witnesses they'd be like get her out of here me get me out of here i just don't need to be i just don't need to be on trial for murder
2: stupid shit no way
0: exactly i don't need to be on trial for murder but anyways back to this murder rennie He took the stand and baby, he was telling it all. He told in great detail about how just before the murder, like two months before the murder, Darlene and Rennie, they were hanging out. They were together. Hell, you might have even said that they were in love. They went on a whole vacation to Trinidad and Tobago, to his home country. He said his wife lived in Trinidad and Tobago and, you know, he was in the country kind of roaming free doing what he wanted he had plenty of girlfriends i heard an article call him a gigolo and i don't think i would call him a gigolo i heard it was a self-proclaimed gigolo oh well you know what this is that time the song, i'm a gigolo spending <laughs> <lots of dough." laughs> so maybe he was self-proclaimed but he is not my definition of a gigolo He tells the jury that Winston's murder was 100% Darlene's idea. He said that about a week before it happened, like we know, the three of them sat down and they had a conversation, discussed the details, and that he initially wanted to just plant drugs on him because he knows the risk of drugs in America and the possibility of somebody that is an immigrant getting deported back to their home country. He knows that risk very well, but he said at that conversation, Darlene was adamant that it had to be a robbery and murder. She provided everything that they needed, cash, money for travel, rope, a detailed plan. She planned that day down to the T. Rennie said that she said that she wanted him to go, that she wanted him out, and she told him that she wanted all of the property he continued to testify he told the courts that he knew that Jeffrey was going to stage a home invasion and fake like they were looking for drugs and money he knew everything he pretty much testified every single detail that happened that night at the home he even revealed that Darlene wasn't even tied up like that they only pretended to tie her up she actually was very loose and Giovanni they actually tied up and once Giovanni had the blindfold on Darlene was able to walk around she was able to move freely and sometimes she did one of the things that Rennie said was he did not touch Winston in terms of like killing him like Jeffrey was definitely the muscle in this. He was the one that punched him in the face. He's the one that held the bag over his head. He's the one that hog tied him. I don't know how to hog <laughs> I
1: don't know how to hog tie people.
0: What would I hog tie? But what he he did was he put the bottle down his, and he said the only reason that he put the bottle down his throat was because they went upstairs, they was about to leave, and Darlene was like, are y'all sure? Are y'all sure he's dead? And he was like, uh, let me go check, I guess. And so that's when he went down to check with the rum bottle. Which I'm like, not a pulse, but rum, rum
2: will do the trick. Right. Now he's up on the stand talking about his and Darlene's relationship, talking about how they've been having an affair for more than a decade. Even she moved from New York to Maine. That couldn't stop their love. He traveled to Maine and she came back to New York. Anything they had to do to keep it working, you know? When she went back to New York, it was an easy cover. Visiting family I'm checking on the property, you know? Things that needed to be done anyways. Perfect alibi. He also said that he spoke to Darlene every day. Multiple times a day. That was his boo. And this was true. Like even during the investigation, the officers listened to hours and hours of their phone conversations. And not just from her cell phone, from her work phone. And then the company calls were recorded. So they've got call dates from April 2008 up until the time of the murder. Most of these days, Rennie was the first person she talked to. Rennie even explains that he even told Darlene that he had HIV. And, you know, that's not um, an easy thing for everybody to deal with. But even still, she's stuck by him, which, you know, he's like, listen, this is how deep this affair was. Couldn't nothing keep us apart. Leanne Zania, the assistant attorney general, goes on to describe the injuries that Winston had at the time of his death. She says he was cut repeatedly in the head with a knife. A knife that came from his own kitchen, by the way. Like the little block set. These were the knives that he was cut with. He was hogtied from his ankles to his neck and strangled. A plastic bag was placed over his head and clenched tightly, suffocating him. And an empty rum bottle was lodged into his throat. Darlene didn't testify. And her grand jury testimony was read aloud in court. And in that testimony, she denies having any type of romantic or sexual relationship with Rennie, which probably isn't going well for her right now. And she says that her and Rennie were just close. They were friends. She was helping him with some issues he was having. He couldn't read English, you know? She was adamant that she had no idea that her brother or her lover were coming to Maine on the day of the murder. And she stuck to the story about the three white men who ambushed her and her son that night. Also in this grand jury testimony... She talks about her marriage to Winston and said that her and Winston had a good, solid marriage. And at the time of his death, she was already seeing a fertility expert because she wanted to give him a baby. I don't know how people do it, have their baby years later, like a 13-year-old, and then start over. People
0: (sighs) do it. It also really depends, like... Yeah, some people be like, they're about to leave me, I need another baby, but... But also, like, if you had a kid young... Mm -hmm. And sometimes people that have, like, Older kids, the young kid that just comes along as a oops baby, and it's like, dang, I ain't even they know that. still working in here. Just wants to have that with the. Like new I've person. even seen married couples that like their kids are about to graduate, and then they have a oops baby, and they're like, damn, mm-hmm. we got to start from the beginning. Mm. Didn't even know we was fully functional. Still, so sorry for you. I know that's why I'm telling you I'm gonna start popping them all out at once, and then we're closing up shop. Okay. <laughs> Listen. Now, close enough shot before it was as many as I can have. Now, the prosecution they had a different theory. They said that Darlene was working under two motives. The first one was, listen, she was worried that Winston was going to file for divorce. He files for divorce, he is going to have sole control over most of, if not all, of the properties. She couldn't have that. Number two, she knew that he was cheating, and that was a no-go for her. The prosecution claimed that Darlene devised a, quote, an elaborate plot to kill Winston George and disguise the crime as a home invasion. So the prosecution was like, listen, jury, we've got the cell phone records that show that they were in contact. This grand jury testimony, Moni, the one that she read. You mean the one that? was read the one that she said before she found out that she was being arrested when she was still lying to everybody that says that she had no idea that her brother and Rennie were in town and these cell phone records clearly prove that she has a very good idea that her brother and Rennie are in town oh you mean the tickets that were bought in cash that we can see her brother and Rennie getting on and off the Greyhound And they said, listen, one of the big things was this relationship with Miss Amy Casey. It was his work wife, but they were having more like a boyfriend-girlfriend type of relationship. He was staying late. She was coming to visit him on his shift. He was going on her shift. They were going on dates. We told y'all going out to eat, doing all the things. I mean, she was out in Trinidad and Tobago with her man, so he was out at the club with his. Lisa, remember, that's the assistant attorney general. She showed a picture of Winston to amy and amy was on the stand and she just started crying because like her man her man is gone and she said that she loved him and she was just really hoping both of them were hoping that they would divorce their spouses and they were going to run away with each other what is up with these mistresses on the stand so she's telling the jury we were meant to be together, and we had plans That's to wild. be together. That's honestly wild Girl. that she blew up her spot on the stand still married. like Because you can't get with him now. Right. And she said that one time Darlene did call her phone trying to confront her, but it just so happened the time when Darlene called, Amy's husband picked up the phone. So they were still in the green. They were still in the clear. The next person to take the stand, which was the saddest of this time, was Giovanni. He was the star witness. He heard everything, and he saw a lot, even though he was partially blindfolded. At this point, he was living in a foster home in Old Orchard Beach, and he had just finished his sophomore year of high school. So for the past two years, He had been in foster care. Giovanni testified that him and his stepdad went out to lunch on June 19th because they had plans. Giovanni was supposed to go and leave for the summer and be in New York and be with his cousins. That was supposed to be the plan the whole time. His stepdad, he was with Winston when he went to go buy the car. And he was with his mom when Winston, decide, when Winston had to go off to go to work that evening. Now that night, he tells them everything. Mom and I went to go prepare for the trip. We went to TGI Fridays. Everything seemed like a normal day until we got home and we saw the people. And next thing you know, there were masked men in our home tying us up. When Giovanni describes the man that attacked him, he said that the skin tone was like a brownish color. And he said that initially his first thing, like at that point, his stepdad out there, he may have just graduated eighth grade, but he's he's the one trying to protect his mom. He was trying to fight back. But his mom kept saying, don't fight back. Just cooperate. Just cooperate. Just cooperate. And at that point, he's listened to his mom because you listen to your mom. And they were like, do you know what the intruders were saying? He was like, yeah, they clearly had some fake Jamaican accents, but I could understand them asking for the money. Where's the money? Where's the drugs? All of that. And they asked him, they were like, okay, well, he was like, well, what was the relationship like between your stepdad and your mom? He was like, I mean, they got along fine. There wasn't no big hoopla at night. When I went to bed, I could hear them arguing. I just didn't think it was that bad, you know? They asked him if he ever met his uncle. He was like, uh... I mean, I can count it on like one hand how many times I've met him. He's been locked up pretty much my entire life. So most of the time, not really. And they were like, "Okay, have you ever met Rennie? And he's like, shh, maybe less than 10 times. Like he I know that he's one of the tenants at one of the apartments in New York. And I know that a couple of times I've seen him in Maine, but I didn't think much of it, and I really hadn't seen him a lot. And I just remember that I couldn't understand what he was saying half the time because he had that thick accent, his real accent, not his fake accent.
2: Now, one of Darlene's lawyer, Paul Aranson, and Jeffrey's lawyer, Joel Vincent, are suggesting that Rennie is actually the mastermind behind this entire thing. And they're like, we are going to flip it on him. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, all we're really looking for is reasonable doubt, right? You know, was trying to spend that story so that Jeffrey and Darlene could get a lighter sentence. Now, Paul says, yes, Darlene was unhappy in her six-year marriage to Winston, but their relationship wasn't unraveling. She wasn't a co-conspirator. She was actually a victim. Paul continues to say that a coworker of Darlene's has testified to her character and... They said that Darlene was generous and a giving person, called her motherly, and said that her son was, quote, smart, articulate, and a well-behaved teenager. Sounds like a white woman talking about a black child. We always get articulate. Like, The defense asked the jurors to please be fair to their clients and to use, quote, common sense. Paul goes on to talk about Darlene saying that she had her own money. She earned over 40000 a year and was just planning to take her son to New York. On June 21st of 2008, which was the day after the murder. He also said that the way the prosecution characterized Rennie and Darlene's relationship was inaccurate. He said they were not romantically involved because of Rennie's HIV status. He asked the jury if Darlene got Rennie to murder her husband. Why didn't she promise Rennie something in return? Rennie is this quote-unquote gigolo That's what he told the court. you got an array of girlfriends over the years. You don't need Darlene for sex. That's not what this situation was. He was taking advantage of Darlene and her generosity and was using her. Ever since she found out that he was HIV positive, she's been helping him find a better diet, buying him clothes, helping him learn how to read, like all of this stuff, you know, just trying to care for him. And this is her payback to think she is
0: now he also said that the state's idea that Darlene was just trying to get the property that wasn't true according to Darlene's lawyers there was that property had no equity really what was there to gain the lawyer was like listen these homes they were in poor condition there is absolutely no financial motive. I mean, the insurance policy is $37,000. It's not really a huge thing. Yeah, he got a 401k, but he wasn't near retirement. So it's not like his 401k was fat. You know what I'm saying? They even called up the couple's old realtor. The realtor's name was Anne Cohen. Anne was like... I've been this couple's realtor for quite a while and they never mentioned to me that they planned to sell. They never discussed the current value of their home. So there's no real reason for us to think that they planned on getting rid of it. Her lawyers also claimed that Rennie's story was very inconsistent and it had constantly been changing. One of the things was the phone calls didn't completely match up to what Rennie said that him and Darlene they were driving to brooklyn and they picked up jeffrey in long island along the way but of course the court records didn't say that and, and the bus ticket said something different so those little discrepancies they were really trying to hang up on rennie and one of the main things that her lawyer said was like listen rennie just told y'all what y'all wanted to hear he wanted a sweetheart deal basically he knew that he was getting life in prison and he was trying his damnedest to get as little jail time as he could. And if he had to go back to Trinidad and Tobago, fine. At least he wouldn't be in the US prison for the rest of his life. Now Jeffrey, eh, his attorneys didn't do too much for him, honestly. They reminded the jury that the defendants are afforded the presumption of innocence. He's like, listen, I know that my my client here has a long rap sheet, but y'all have to at least think that he's innocent first. Y'all can't just start assuming stuff just because y'all see that he's only spent, I don't know, his childhood years and five adult years out of outside of the prison walls. They said, listen, y'all need to make sure that you made this decision beyond a reasonable doubt. According to Jeffrey, he went to Maine with plans to see his sister he wanted to hang out with his sister he was trying to pick up some odd jobs she said that she needed work done around the house so he was like great i need money that sounds like a wonderful plan." and when he got up there it seemed like plans changed but he had no idea that this was what he was going up to maine to do he said that he actually was at the hotel room with Rennie, and Rennie was getting upset. It was Rennie that was upset because she ain't come by to see him. And of course, they're lovers. And he's getting a little agitated too because he ain't doing no work on no house. Rennie steps out for quite a while, and Jeffrey is just sitting at the motel drinking a beer. He was like I was upset because I wanted to hang out with my sister. I wanted to make this money, but I didn't even call her. He's like cuz I knew if I called her ass, we was going to get to arguing, and I love my sister and it just I just wanted to have this beer and call it a freaking night. And he said the next morning, she ain't have no work for him, so the next morning, he got up, he went back to New York. The jury found both Darlene and Jeffrey guilty of murder and conspiracy to commit murder now i don't know if i could told you guys this but winston was murdered the day before his birthday that's why he bought that car
2: Say happy birthday to me
0: yeah a birthday gift to himself but he died the day before his birthday and then after the trial ended i mean like a few weeks after the trial ended winston's mom ended up passing away as well
2: On Monday, October 4th 2010, Darlene is sentenced to 40 years in prison for murder and 30 years for conspiracy to be served concurrently. Jeffrey was sentenced to life in prison for murder and 30 years for conspiracy to commit murder to be served concurrently. Rennie was sentenced to eight years in prison and could be released in four and a half to five years with good behavior and will probably be deported in the end. And the judge, Arthur Brennan, defended Jeffrey and Darlene's sentence by saying that Jeffrey was already a career criminal and probably severely traumatized his nephew. Darlene only got 40 years because she had no criminal record and... People testified on her character as a mother, which I feel like all that testimony goes out the window once you put your son in that situation. The judge also said that he wished that Darlene and Winston would have just gotten a divorce. He said, quote, it's just such a tragedy for everybody involved that the alternative wasn't pursued. Whitfield George, member Winston's brother, and other members of Winston's family were at the sentencing. Whitfield said that Jeffrey was a guy who put hands on his brother. The family said that they wanted Darlene to get a longer sentence, but they're happy that she's convicted in any sense. They said, What she did was wrong, and she'll have to pay both ways in the court system and by God. The assistant general attorney, Leanne Zania, said, She may or may not have been the individual who beat, hogtied, and suffocated Winston George, but it was her plan. She wanted him out of the picture, and under the law, she is equally responsible. Darlene, at her sentencing, did not directly say that she was innocent, but she definitely implied it. She said she didn't care about the properties. Her and her husband never fought. Their marriage wasn't about to end. She said, quote, I love my husband very much, and I've done nothing but be there for him. Everything we were doing was moving forward towards a future, not to separate. Jeffrey also maintained his innocence and even went as far as to write a letter to Giovanni, who was not at the sentencing. And he said... Quote, it was a shame that you had to go through all of this. I want you to know I wish you the best. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you.
0: I feel like that's where it goes for Giovanni, because what? Yeah. Because now Giovanni is in foster care. Right. How it go from tomorrow I'm supposed to go hang out with all my cousins in New York to I'm in foster care for, for my entire life as a child. Y'all ripped my future away from me. Yeah. I wonder how he's doing. He's our age. Now, both of them tried to appeal. Of course they did. They both tried to appeal in May of 2012. Oh, Giovanni Sr. of high school. Eat my ass. Jeffrey argued that he was denied a fair trial when the court denied his motion to sever the trial. He said that the court erroneously prohibited cross-examination of a cooperating witness's credibility. He said that the evidence was insufficient to support the convictions of murder and conspiracy to commit murder. And the court was like, eh, no. Darlene argued that the court erred when it denied her motion to suppress her grand jury testimony. I mean, girl, you ain't say nothing else. So what you expect us to say? She said that the court erred when it denied Jeffrey his motion. Oh, because they weren't severed. They just got two different juries. Mm Mm-hmm. So, if they denied his motion, then she says that that was wrong. Girl, you should have put a motion in there. She said that the indictment was insufficient. Okay, girl. She said that the evidence didn't support the conviction of murder and conspiracy to commit murder. And she said that the state relied heavily on the testimony of a cooperating written witness, which made the conviction fundamentally unfair. Which I get what you're saying, because obviously he wants a lighter sentence. But the phone records, Buki. And so her appeal was denied. Jeffrey is now being held at the Maine State Prison. Darlene is at the Maine Correctional Women's Center in Wyndham, Maine. And her earliest release date is 2043. Rennie was being held at the Maine Correctional Center. And his earliest release date was March 4th, 2015. Don't know where he is now. For all I know, he's probably back in Trinidad and Tobago, but he's definitely out of prison as we all speak. And that is the story of Darlene. All right, y'all, it's time
1: for... Well, I'm not black. I'm O.J. I
0: ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I got away with it. I ain't
2: do it, but if I did, I would never put my son through that. I don't care for what
0: reason. Why why would you have him there? Like,
2: and let him listen to it. It's too far. It's too far. They put a knife up to your son.
0: And you let them do that. Even if you know that they're not going to do anything to him because it's not part of the plan, why would you traumatize him like that? I remember the random trauma mean things that people said to me in eighth grade. So you don't think that he is going to remember A knife being held up to him and the home being robbed and his stepdad, whom he was extremely close to, being murdered in the next room. Are you sick in the head? You think that was going to have some lasting effects? Girl, I ain't do it, but if I did, clearly Darlene has a problem and she has an addiction and the addiction is called Island Dig. (laughs) And it will get you messed up every single time. Cause island dick don't ever care about you and that's all i'm gonna say on that we can have further that discussion in the discussion group
2: <laughs> <laughs> i ain't do it but if i did i definitely would have took the deportation plan a lot
0: less risk if it goes south right
2: which it did so
0: i ain't do it but if i did i would have made it seem like rennie and i never had any type of relationship whatsoever other than him being a tenant if he just murdered your husband and you know that you set it up, why is his passport in your purse? Why? Why is any of his paperwork in your purse? You should not have anything linking you to that man at all. And finding Rennie is how they found your brother. Right. They found your brother through Rennie. So you could have actually found a way to get rid- to get away with this if you did not have the paperwork for the man that murdered your husband. I
2: didn't do it, but... If I did, you got that list, you check it twice. How you going to forget their mask there? Because Girl. it probably made it a lot easier to identify these people. And they probably, if she got it from the Army surplus store, they probably could have worn it further out the house, you know, and been less recognizable, maybe. Like, these men in masks, not these black men.
0: Right. Cause stocking caps? Really? Because them being black was a dead giveaway. Right. You should have put them in, like, dress-up clothes. Something to help them blend in. You got these straight New York-ass niggas in suburbia Maine and expecting them not to stick out like a sore thumb. Make it make sense. I ain't do it, but if I did, you know, I feel like she may have been happier if she just was with Rennie. But honestly, who's to say that this wouldn't be Rennie's fate? Because it's always how you get them is how you lose them. hmm and so maybe she enjoyed the fact that Rennie was her thrill person. But maybe you should have just been with Rennie. But Remy had no security. She had a son to think about at one point right, or another. Right, and Winston had properties.
2: Right. He was an ideal candidate. I ain't do it, but if I did, there is a such thing as ethical non-monogamy. You know, you doing your shit, he doing his shit. If both of y'all are honestly
0: good with it, then be fucking good with it. Right. And that's why I feel like, I really feel like it may not have been ethical non-monogamy, but I feel like both of them knew that stuff was up, and both of them really didn't care. You know because what I mean? Her, she's going on trips to Trinidad and Tobago to be with him and to hang out with him. Where was his wife when he she went when they went there? Mm.
2: Taking a trip to New York? But
0: you, you, <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, you're saying out late, late. I know that that's a lie. But if you're saying that you dating with Miss Amy so-and-so, then be with Miss Amy. Then hang out with her. And she don't even have to leave her husband either.
2: Y'all can just fuck. You can even go on your little dates or whatever. Just don't do too much.
0: Just don't do too much. I ain't do it, but if I did... We already said it, but I just can't believe she put her son through that. And then, who's to say that that insurance policy is anything gonna come to him when he turned 18 did he get those properties did he at least get the monetary part of those properties did the insurance policy that got paid out to her get given was was that given to him did he get anything out of the deal but trauma your kid you ain't care about that kid that much right don't you ever say i don't care about my kid i love my kid then you wouldn't have traumatized him like this I don't care. I don't care. Don't come yelling at me. You in prison. Parole or no parole?
2: No parole for Darlene. For Darlene, it, it, it ain't even about Winston, probably as much as it should be. It's really about you went so far to put your son in that situation. Jeffrey, he can say there, too. He was never going to do nothing good. You've already made that decision in your mind. yeah. I ain't do it but if I did I wouldn't have pulled my brother who has had all these crimes like if shit went south he stands no chance and you took away your brother's life with that one you already knew he ain't had no forgiveness on his side he don't even need to be a part of this conversation because it's not gonna look good on his behalf
0: All right, let's go ahead and read some reviews. If you guys want to leave us a review, you can. You can do it on any platform. You can either rate us, review us. Um, If you can't do that, send us to a friend. If you don't like the show, email us and tell us that you don't like it. Don't put it out in the public. Don't be a hater. I don't have a review yet. Do you have one? I do. Okay, let's hear it. This one says, hey, y'all. I'm Sade from Houston.
2: New listener, but hooked. I just want to let y'all know that y'all are bomb, storytelling 10 out of 10. My eight-year-old twins are obsessed. They always say, Mom, can you put on sisters to kill? And every day I tell them, it's not too, it's who. <laughs> anyway, they wanted me to write y'all so y'all could read it at the end of an episode, but I told them we may not get picked, but I'll write. We love y'all. Have a great day. XO, Sade, Cash, and Cruz. Hey! Thank you so much And she sent a picture of her twins They're so cute All
0: right, this one is from Limaloo8 It says great true crime podcast I just started listening to this podcast And I love hearing the stories from these amazing hosts I'm unsure if I'm welcome here since I'm not of color But I plan to keep on supporting As I think it's a great way to learn and educate ourselves And how to be better people Keep up the great work You're welcome here girl You don't just you know don't say nothing crazy don't do nothing crazy Mm
1: -hmm.
0: sit learn and do you know that review had three stars why you about to get unwelcome you see you see see how you about to get unwelcome from being we we are welcoming (laughs) and loving people and now you now i'm about to not like you See how quickly that happened? Mm-hmm. Go in there and change your review. There is another one that is like, I just started from the very beginning and I don't know if i could like the audio. Stick with this. I hope you make it this far. And I just want to know that I want you to stick with this. Our earlier episodes were rough. We know that. Please, please make it this far. Who is this that you just sent me a picture of?
2: That's the twins on the review.
0: Aww. <laughs> They're cute. they imagine these are dunks that they're wearing yes very good i'm learning all right y'all if you want to keep up with us you can you can follow us on twitter sisters who kill on instagram sisters who kill pod on tiktok sisters who kill podcast on uh facebook sisters who kill podcast there is also a discussion group sisters who kill podcast discussion group anything else friend talk to us we talk back bye